The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on Steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying Steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. All right. Welcome to the Cat and Cloud podcast. This is Chris Baca. I'm here with Alex Mars. Hey. A little bit of housekeeping before we start. There's a few things in the mix that I think are pretty exciting. Number one, skateboard decks designed by Michael Foy. Super fucking sick. They're real skateboards made by Generator. If you know skateboarding, then you know who Generator is. They're a wood shop. They make really, it's it's real. It's not a toy. It's not like I went down the street and like, hey, dude, can you make a skateboard screen printed graphic on it or some fly-by-night <laughs> internet weird company. It's, it's a real thing. The hottest thing about the skateboards is that Michael Foy gets a percentage of sales. So if you buy a skateboard or if you buy anything with his art on it, so if you buy the, what's it called? The Adventure Tee. Adventure Tee. If you buy the Adventure Tee or the Best Friends Mug, Best Friends Club Mug, these are all done by Michael Foy, talented in-house artist and barista. Let's get him paid. He's got sometimes Baker. Let's get this, hefty rent. Let's these get days. this guy some fucking money, dude. Let's, <laughs> yeah, he just moved into a new place. Just moved in. Let's do it. Because <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I'm not going to pay him one more dime ever. <laughs> No, sir. You have zero upward mobility here. It's <laughs> one of our promises at Cat and Cloud. No, but it's been really exciting to see some of his artwork make its way onto things. And if you don't skate, it's like a really cool thing to hang up. I think it'd be a badass present for someone <laughs> given the holidays. Anyway. Did we sell out already? No, but we sold through... I think we maybe have half left Wow, out of 100. That's pretty good. So every time I put something up on social, there's a big chunk that goes. So if you want to get in on it, maybe get in on it right now. I'll put a link down below. The next thing that we just became aware of is we've been nominated for some Spreggy Awards again this year Woo. in several different categories. So one category is uh, Best Coffee Podcast, which you're listening to right now. So wow. if you love us, you can go vote for us. Some of our friends made it on there, too. The people from the Sprocast, San yeah. Diego's finest. Big J. If you want to hear from an eclectic group of wild motherfuckers, <laughs> you should definitely listen to Sprocast. Yeah. Another category we were nominated for was, oh, I just blanked on it right now. Oh, what Instagram, was social media. Oh, yeah. Best uh, Instagram slash Twitter. Yep. Honoring social media excellence. I don't know what that means. I have a brilliant social platform that everyone <laughs> can partake in for free. Here's a quick five-second tutorial on social media. Tell the truth. <laughs> cool. That was, that was your free lesson for today. You're fucking welcome. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, and then if you love video, you can vote for my YouTube channel, The Real Chris Baca YouTube channel. 
Dude, you've been dropping nominated. Hot fire on there lately. Thank you. I appreciate yes. that. You've been featured in a, a couple of the videos. I know. Going really hard, doing things such as fucking amping up the crowd. That was crazy. Having your... I've been kind of putting you on blast with your wholesale partner relationship yeah. situation. Dude, it's been fun. A lot of things have just been happening lately. It all just kind of came to a came to a whole these last couple months. It's been really inspiring. Yeah. Because I never thought I would love the idea of what most people call wholesale. Right? I was just so it's felt so sleazy in a lot of ways. I didn't even know either. I mean I, I think it just yeah, it's just kinda worked out. I feel like it's a combination of being supported by you guys to do things in the way that, you know, feels right to us and to not have pressure that says you need to do this. You need to do that. Like you need to sell more coffee necessarily. You know, I think there was, who, I think it's Ira glass who talks about it and the idea of, let's say you have good taste and you start to do something. So yeah. maybe if you were into food, you had a really good taste in food, but you've never cooked anything before. Yeah. When you start that journey of cooking, there's always going to be this huge gap between what you know you're capable of or mm. what your taste level is right. and what you're able to execute on. What you're able to execute on because you're learning and growing is going to be so much lower. But I think what happened over the last year is we closed a lot of that gap and saw the fruits of a lot of your ideas and things just really start to come to life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It seems like like just having a little, I'm going to try not to say like, okay. Okay. Because I listened to the last podcast with me on it and I said like too many times. Every time I say like, I'll punch you in the head as hard as I can. (laughs) I do the same thing. And I've noticed that I started to dip back into the like train. Okay. Ever since Carol started editing the podcast, Ah. I would edit the podcast. I would be forced to listen on the fly to all of my likes, ums, and uhs. Like is the worst offender. And now that I don't edit it, I just am reminded of them later when I hear myself. And it was like, I was like, totally. It was like, like cool. It was so like sick, dude. Uh, <laughs> I can be your accountability buddy. Thank you. We can do this together. Every time I say like, melt my face with <laughs> sunshine. I wonder if we could get a really Buzzer. low frequency. Yeah. Like little electric shock therapy. Holy. Yeah. We'll get I'm down. Sh- Anybody have a low voltage shock collar that they've been willing to loan us? Send it to us. It's part of our professional development. Send it to the roastery. <laughs> Watch Chris's most recent YouTube video for the address. Yeah. It starts <laughs> off right there. 719 Swift Street. Oh, man. That, yeah. So we're going to get rid of the like from your vocabulary. Sweet. And then we're going to keep playing forward. You've been spending a lot of time thinking about those successes and things that have kind of moved the needle the most. Yeah. And then how you're going to go into next year, mm-hmm. planning, budgeting. What was that process been like for you? It's been, what's it been like? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. What's it uh, been like? Like? Uh, it's been, it's been really cool. I feel like I have a little bit more time ending this year than I did at the end of last year, mostly due to having extra hands helping me, Mark Gessler, which has been really great. So... I have more time to really sit back and think about what are the important things that we want to do next year and what did we do this year? What was great? What was not as great? And just think ahead. So 
it's been cool. I just gave myself some time on my calendar to sit down and, you know, start with pen and paper, write a list of things that I want to do with wholesale next year. And really just, I feel like, I feel it's multiple stages. I think it starts with, you just got to brainstorm. You just got to get your mind open and be able to write some stuff down. And then you can go into the part that's more planning oriented and more, uh, focused on like chucks. I said, like (laughs) focused on what's coming up next. What phase are you in right now? Right now? Well, the first thing I did was I wrote down the budget categories for next year. And then I thought about how much would go into it and started planning out the specific things. So that's where I am now. I have a framework. I have a skeleton that is going to be cool to start from. And then you're going to take that budget Mm. and where does it go? Because we've got a little bit of a, maybe not untraditional way workflows. You can't Mm -hmm. just create your own budget and be like, this is what I'm going to do. Cool. We're good here. Cool. I'll take that in cash or check. I'll take it cash. You can can (laughs) send it directly to my account. What's the process like? So it's basically the next step is to set up a, a time to talk with Charles Jack and do some sort of a pitch and then, you know, informal uh, pitch. It's what I did last year as well, uh, later in the year, but yeah, so I'm going to put this whole thing together and just present my case for why we need that budget and why it's important. And if you take that pitch and based on what happened last year Mm. with the budget, how does that process feel like for you? Because you're kind of negotiating for what you want totally. with someone who owns the company and controls the money. It, it's a little intimidating, but I feel like over the last year, I've been able to grow in that realm, and I feel much more comfortable taking ownership over what I'm doing and just standing up for, hey, this is like, this is what I really think I need to provide the best service and just like putting things in the context of our mission and our goals and the things that we value in wholesale is really the starting place and using that to justify it's, it's different than just saying, Hey, I need X amount of money. Just trust me. I need it (laughs) versus being able to justify. This is why I need it. Let's dive into month by month, what it looks like. I think if you could do that, it's much easier to to have that conversation rather than you know cuz cuz it proves that you've already done the work to think through what's involved in actually spending that money so i can imagine one of the most terrifying things for someone in your position in the past might be hey i need this much money and then the owner of the company says why <laughs> and then you're Whoa. well let me tell you why <laughs> And there's just a couple different ways that why could be perceived. It could be perceived as, oh, you're asking why. You just want to know why. And I have this opportunity to explain. Or it can be seen as a challenge. Yeah. Why? Totally. Yeah. I I don't really think of it as like a challenge. I think that there's a bigger part of the company, like finances, that I don't have like the full clear understanding of because I'm not the one that's you know, cashing those checks and moving the the cash flow around and all that stuff. So I fully recognize that mine's only like one piece of the puzzle. And 
it kind of goes back to uh, like five steps of an effective pitch, what we teach in orientation. One of those steps being to really just like wait and think about why something exists in the way that it does. So having somebody like Charles, who's in charge of the finances and the budget, he sees everything. So there's probably reasons for why, you know, certain things are the way they are. And I like trust that. So that's why I try not to take anything personally in that way as like a challenge. And it's more like, I feel like as a professional, I need to be able to justify the things that I'm asking for and have reasons for it for like an intentionality thing. So when you're making the case for your pitch and you're doing your budget, do you have things like our values in mind? Or are you thinking more specifically about department numbers, projections? It's more the values than anything. Um, I also recognize that, or I believe that the more FaceTime, for example, we can get with our wholesale partners, the better those partnerships are going to be. And they're going to be having a great time. We're going to be having a great time. And it's just going to be better overall for the company, that retention word. But, um, yeah, so it's mostly that and just, just thinking about what would it mean if, if we never went and visited a wholesale partner, for example, because we didn't have the budget to be able to do it? How would, how would they feel as a partner when we talk about trying to leave people feeling happier than before, but we've never actually like, met them in real life? I don't know. That'd be weird. There's no, there would be no synergy right, there synergy. or very little synergy, there it which is. is one of our main six values. Makes you a winner, G. Synergy makes you a winner, G. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, coming mm. into a staff meeting, having 40 people sitting there watching you and this guy with a big smile on his face and glasses runs out in front of everybody <laughs> and starts doing a call and response. Synergy makes you a winner, G. And then the crowd responds. And then he does it again. Again. The second time. <laughs> That's what happened. I ran it so many times in my head before that presentation, practicing in front of the mirror. And I just, I was almost not going to do it because I just felt embarrassed by that. I was just thinking, man, this is... I feel kind of foolish. It feels kind of cheesy to me or like, what if nobody responds? But they all did. Everybody did. It was cool. In pretty in a pretty loud manner. That gave me so much more confidence for the rest of the speech because I, f I felt as if I had everybody's attention and they were caring. It humanized them. One of the things that you've been working on is public speaking. Yeah. And taking command over an audience yep. and just being that kind of personality. Yeah. What what are you thinking of when you're mm. when you're going up on quote unquote stage? So for this team meeting that I gave that presentation at, I really just wanted to practice because usually I feel like I wing it in some respect. I always plan what I'm gonna say beforehand, but I don't necessarily drill it and practice it. So this time I wanted that to be different and I really wanted to practice it. So I I did practice it 10, 15 times, made note cards for myself to make sure that even if I did get off track, I could refer to the note cards. I just tried to think of how to structure things in like a intro body conclusion sort of way so that it was structured and then just, just did it. And having that icebreaker at the beginning was super helpful for 
just making the rest of the thing go more smoothly. But I feel like it was cool. It was probably my favorite public speaking exercise I've ever had. I remember feeling similarly good when I defended my master's thesis. I didn't practice that presentation either, but I had spent so much time working on that thesis that I could basically just speak to it. Like it was like a book that I had written. So I was able to speak to it really easily, but yeah. You were in your pocket fully. Yeah. Like this is my area of expertise. If anybody needs to give a speech, dude, just practice. Like it goes so far in helping you. You even went to Toastmasters. Toastmasters. Did you, did you do that once? Oh, wait. I went to the, uh, shucks. What are they called? Rotary Club. Rotary Club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've never been to Toastmasters. I follow them on Reddit though. <laughs> <laughs> Rotary Club was cool. I did a similar approach for that, but I didn't practice as much. But also note cards. I don't know. How do you feel about note cards? On the flyer in general, I, I think I love note cards. Yeah. I, I use them a lot in preparation, mm. and I don't write a lot on them if I have them live fire. I'm usually yeah. on a computer with a PowerPoint or a keynote, and I'll, I will use the presenter notes section and i try to just go bullet points with them nice but cards are really good for practicing yeah really good for practicing my favorite way to practice is to record myself video and audio mm. and watch it back dang and i'll take that watch it back and then the next step is to take it edit it and manually just physically remove all of the things that I don't like. Okay. Whether it's the likes and the ums or the wow. uhs or just identify where the awkward pauses were yeah. and just see what I missed and go from there. And that is fucking painful for me. That's cool. And it's probably pretty similar to editing your YouTube videos, right? Yes. <laughs> Which is sometimes really, really, really hard. Yeah. But you make these, I go in waves and I feel like I've been a little bit stagnant lately in terms of pushing my my speaking mm. to the next level yeah. but at the beginning of last year was when I did I did 30 30 videos in a row wow one video every morning for 30 days Extract no editing day. yeah it was the um what it called it's like dialing in or oh, something like that in. yeah, yeah. yeah totally. and it was just for me to try to become a better on the fly speaker it's like what if i removed editing from the situation right. and i do one take and i commit to myself that no matter how <laughs> crappy this goes I'm going to upload it. I'm going to throw an intro on it and I'm going to just put it up. And I, and I did. And it yep. was good for a couple of reasons because it got me in the routine of doing something mm. in the morning that was a little centering. Yep. And then it, it just made me think a little bit more before I hit record. Like, what am I really going to talk about? Right. And how can I best describe that, get my point across in the appropriate chunk of time? That's pretty badass approaching it from a perspective of let's just do this live fire and and see what happens because i feel like youtubers can often rely on editing as a way to just kind of string things together but and it it looks fine like the jump cuts thing that's like a style that like looks looks fine but seeing like a run through you just look like such a such a baller <laughs> yeah and i feel like it was less of the jump cut thing and more of the I was spending so much time in post-production yeah, and I realized that the only reason I'm spending this much time editing is because I'm not nailing, I'm not nailing it. Mm. My thought process is 
not structured. I'm wavering all around and I'm getting my point across, but I have to chop out 40% of what I'm saying. Right. And I didn't want to be that person. Do you, for your videos, do you write not a script per se, but do you write an outline for yourself before you make them? For the heavy hitter ones, yes. Okay. For sure. So anything that's a tutorial, whether it's like a tamping tutorial that's been pretty popular one or pour over, I'll yeah. make bullet points. And that's stuff gotcha. that I know really, really well. And the outline just makes sure that in the moment, I don't skip something. Because right. what I hate more than anything is re-recording. I have everything set up and then I'm going through everything and I'm like, yes, I nailed it. And then I go to edit it and I'm just like, I totally forgot to talk about this one thing <laughs> that's so critical. And you can always fix that, but it just is obnoxious yeah. to me. So I, I actually just wrote out a script this morning, I wouldn't really call it uh, a script, but it was something about the um, how the, that idea that comparison is the the thief of joy. I don't know if you've heard oh, that man. phrase. Yeah, that makes sense. I <laughs> I don't know if she coined it, but I heard it from Jen Gotch, who is mm. a hilarious. I don't know what she is. She's a podcaster. Cool. She's a chief creative officer for this company called Bando. Cultural critic, which they make fun. <laughs> fun things that make you smile. Anyway, mm. she has a podcast. Jen Gotch is okay sometimes. And huh. she talks about her. It's a lot about her mental health journey and her business journey. And she's really open with a lot of the struggles and anxieties she has. Right. But she, she was hitting on that for a while. Comparison is the thief of joy. And how one of the things that I think we do really well and why we have such peace of mind is at work is that we really ignore those direct comparisons. Right. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. We're not checking on things and being like, okay, what are all the other coffee companies doing? Like, what are we missing out on? What do we need to do? What's going to be trending for 2019? When we're setting our goals for the next year, we're yeah. focusing on our values and our mission, and we're letting those things be our metrics of success yeah. and not do we have the new hot insert the blank. Right. That's the raddest thing ever. Like, not to call out a specific genre of things, but I feel like cold brew has been one of those areas where a lot of companies are trying to compete on having the coolest new cold brew tool or brewing method or whatever, which is fine if that's like something that you want to do and something that you're really passionate about. But I, for one, am excited that we don't always look to Instagram and look and follow all the people that are our competitors and say, oh, wow, they just got this new cold brew thing. When are we going to do it? And it's great because there are other ways if you do have a need for certain clients to get around that without right. being that person. Totally. So instead of us being like, well, I guess we have to open up our own cold brew bottling line, right. which is not something that we really want to do. Right. You've developed partnerships with people mm. that can take care of those things for us. That's been cool. Yeah. Be like, hey, this is really your bag can you handle this? And they're like, fuck yeah. And we don't need to have a commissary. We yeah. don't need to have our own little can that's inside Whole Foods, mm -hmm. even though it looks like you would. If you want to be at the upper echelon of third wave coffee, you have to have your own cold brew brand. Right. Not really our jam. Kind of goes back to Jomo again, dude. It's a joy of missing out. Joy of missing out. Dude. I'm going to name my dog Jomo. Ditch the <laughs> awesome dog name. Come here, Jomo. 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 Come here, Jomo. Jomo's not into it right stupid, now. He, he's, in, he's, in, <laughs> he's invoking his name. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he's gosh. living in the joy of yep. missing out. Totally. Anyway, I tangent in a little bit, but that 
that idea I wrote hmm. out. Here are my main thoughts. Yeah. In this little this little sphere that I want to get across. Yeah. And I do that because I'll have epiphanies later. Like oh, I missed one thing that could be super super useful hmm. for someone else. And usually those are things that you're feeling. Like I was feeling this way this one time and. Gotcha. How do I articulate that? Like going back in time to a time when I felt like I needed to keep up with the Joneses or I needed to be in the cool kids club or mm. I was suffering from intense FOMO. Right. So yeah, I'll use a script. I'll use outlines for sure. Makes sense. Outlines probably more appropriate than a script. Yeah. For me. When I first started embarking on this video project that I've been doing, the partner resource program, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I, my first video, I literally wrote down every word that I would say. I went through all of the stuff that I wanted to talk about and wrote an entire script for myself. And I would read one line at a time and pause to make the jump cut look okay, which was one way to do it, but it just felt so weird. So in the future, I started doing more just general outlines of, cool, we're talking about case. Here's what I want to say about courtesy, accuracy, show, efficiency. And that was like so much more liberating. And also I feel like I still got the points across that I wanted to make in a natural way. Because you know the content. Right. And the outlines there to make sure you don't miss anything. Yeah. Which I think is important if you're going to make a video on something. You should understand it well enough to be making a video about it. Yeah. Or just don't make the video. Yeah. (laughs) Let somebody else make the video. Let somebody else make the video. We're going to work. We're going to work through this. On the Jomo thing, though. Related to what we're talking about is I've been off of Instagram for a couple months. So I, and the reason is because I, I found myself really just spending a lot of time on Instagram that was just mindless, not intentional time at all. And I just found myself scrolling, you know, you wake up in the morning, you open up your phone, you scroll down Instagram, you watch all the stories and you do the same thing before you go to bed and like throughout the day, pick up your phone, check it out which was, I just got tired of it. And I went on a vacation and I really wanted to disconnect from everything and just be like truly present on vacation. So I decided to, to take Instagram off my phone then. And then I just left it off for like two months, which was really cool in one sense, because I feel like it was a good detox. But then at the same time, I started actually feeling like I was missing out to some extent on things because a lot of news and announcements get posted on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I was glad that we had that conversation yesterday about Instagram because I'd been thinking about it and about maybe I should just open up my account and again, and just, you know, start checking it. I could just do once a day. And I'm also in this process of trying to budget my time more effectively, like my free time. So it's just been cool. I've got like a little like 30 minute window at the end of the day after I get home where I'm just chilling on Instagram or YouTube and just doing whatever I want. So, so you have a blocked off time. Yeah. That's awesome. Blocked off time. How's it been? You've been back for like a couple of days. Yeah. I technically reinstated it yesterday for the first time. And so <laughs> I, here's my approach. So I decided to unfollow a lot of people. No offense. No offense to anyone. (laughs) I still love you. And if you message me, I will message you back. But I decided to unfollow a bunch of people because I didn't want to see all the stories and all the things. 
So all my friends, like my non-coffee friends, I unfollow them too. <laughs> Are you familiar with the mute feature that happened? Uh, no. No. Cool. That's the, even better, huh? It's basically you can mute someone, so you still follow them, but mm. you don't. they don't show up in your feed. Okay. So That's cool. it's kind of useless <laughs> unless you're worried that someone's going to be mad at you. That's, gotcha. It's like the I'm not going to get butt hurt button. <laughs> It's like if I want to unfollow Alex, but I don't want him to see that I unfollowed him, I'll just mute him. <laughs> okay. But this is great because now yeah. thousands of people know that you unfollowed I know. him. So it's, it's awesome. I just wanted to come clean. Hey, guys, I still love you. And if you want to ever talk to me, just message me. I would love to still engage on that platform. I think that's fair, though, because it's important to make your platforms work for you and yeah. what you want them to work for. So you look at like my Instagram, it's probably 80% business related. Mm -hmm. Like it relates around the things that are happening at cat and cloud and 20% personal, meaning it's, it's not a place where I keep up with my close friends. Right. It's more of a place where I engage with other people who are in the coffee industry or who I have shared similar interests in like business leadership, DJ and those kinds of things. Yeah. (laughs) And for people who are, you know, have are in my family or I've been friends with for years. I'm engaging with them in other places. Yeah. I.e. we talk to each other in real life. Wow. We text each other. Weird. We might have a phone conversation, but it's hard to get me on the phone. <laughs> but it's pretty sick. I like that. So half hour a day. Half hour a day. I'm just paring it down. I'm just I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make things work for me, like you said, and I'm trying to find that balance in life. And really it just comes down to like self-discipline and like knowing what you want to do. So I've been trying to really say, okay, I get home from work. I have five hours to do whatever I want with. What am I going to do with those five hours? And that's just, that's just been really cool as a thing too, of just saying, cool, time is limited. Money is limited. Time is limited. It's all the same. So what are you going to do with those, that free time? Hopefully not just be mindless and, you know, zone out unless that's what you get the most joy out of, (laughs) but I don't. So what have you been watching on YouTube? YouTube. I've been watching lots of cooking things. So I follow Bon Appetit, Tasty, Maddie Matheson is always on my list. Uh, Binging with Babish, all that stuff. I also follow you and people like DJ Impulse and, uh, yeah, all kinds of people. And I've been following that minimalist guy, Matt Diavella. Yeah. Who, that was super cool. Thank you for turning me on to him. If you haven't seen Dude, his yeah. stuff, his his videos are amazing. Yeah. He's really well-spoken. He's he's a proper filmmaker. He, mm. he directed the Netflix documentary Minimalism. Yep. So... It's good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff in there. A lot of the stuff jives with a lot of the things we do. It does, really, yeah. And his last video that he just posted the other day, it was about taking a break and slowing down. Did you watch that one yet? Yes. Okay. That was cool because it just, I feel like it jives a lot with our concept of balance and care and not, you know, going going so overboard with your work that you'd become sort of, you know, detached with what your actual goal is there and this week that we're in in the moment he's taking this week off yeah which is so sick it's pretty amazing i'm 
I'm a fan. I subscribe to his Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I've ever tried out anything like that. Yep. But it's 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 been pretty brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Have those ideas impacted how you work here? Definitely. I think it's just in general, this whole year has been like a journey of trying to figure out how to be effective, but also not work really hard in the classic sense of the word. I don't really want to work too hard all the time. And we've, we've had these conversations where I'll be like, Hey, yeah, I, I'm scheduling my week and I, I scheduled like 38 hours of things. (laughs) And I just realized, wow, that's, that's way too much. Um, I should, I should figure that out. (laughs) It's tricky to not pack it in. Cause like we've talked about before, you feel guilty. If someone comes up and asks you, what are you doing today? And you have a two hour block that's got nothing in it. Yeah. You're just, uh, and it's also just like self, like I'll be harder on myself about not doing as much as I can possibly do all the time. Whereas that's a quick route to burnout. So one thing I like that you guys talked about on the last, last podcast, you shouted out everybody, all the leadership team and everybody at cat and cloud. And you were like, take some time to do like self discovery and, and reading and trying to trying to like build yourself as a person as a leader and that's just been really cool to think about as well like building in some time to be able to think about the bigger things which goes back to like the budget for next year and how I decided hey I'm gonna block off four hours to just think about what we want to do next year and like start there so I want to ask you one big question. Yeah. This is something that you've shown real skill and consistency in, and it ties back a little bit to that idea of pitching a budget Mm. to the owner, communicating, and specifically leading or communicating up the chain of command. Mm. So one thing about our relationship is you're always willing, when you think something might be amiss or something wrong, to pull me aside and be like, Hey, I felt a little weird about this. Mm. Here's why. This didn't really work out in my mind. Let's talk about that. How, from your perspective as an employee, what makes you feel like you can do that? And how do you see that impacting the entire organization and the way that it works? Dude, that's, that's such a good question. And I feel like it's, it's huge. I feel like it, it, it has impacted me so much. So I feel like the root of it is feeling safe with, with you and with Charles or Jared, really any of you guys, to, to bring stuff like that up and not feel like I'm going to be criticized or belittled or diminished, you know, or, or not considered for future opportunity because of that. And I think in a lot of companies and in places I've worked at in the past, there's been that dynamic where when you're talking to the owner of a company, sure, there's like, there's a amount of fear there that is just there by, by the nature of the fact that there's like a, a power relationship there. But I think you guys have done a really good job of breaking that down and saying, no, we want to actually hear what you have to say because we trust you guys as leaders and we want to like develop you and help you grow. And one of the ways to do that is to hold us accountable too for things. So I feel like it starts there 
And then once it kind of, it's kind of like that trust battery concept in the base camp book. Once that, uh, dynamic starts working, then I feel like it just, the battery keeps getting charged up and charged up and, you know, the trust keeps getting more and more, you know, real there. So yeah, I think it starts with, with you guys being able to, to be open to hearing constructive feedback as well as giving constructive feedback to us. And why do you think that's so important for an organization like ours? Man, I mean, just because we have like a lot of things that we're trying to do and we have a mission that we're trying to achieve every day in all of the different avenues of the company. So it takes a lot of commitment and work from everybody in the company. Um, So I think that it really just helps everybody know that they're supported by the people that are above them. And you guys are always open to hear what everybody else has to say. So I think it's really important for us because the mission is so like broad and wide reaching that if our people aren't like 100% supported, it's going to be really hard to make it happen. So I feel like that's why it's important. My favorite thing that happened this week, and I apologize ahead of time for my non-specificity, <laughs> but I don't want to put someone on blast who doesn't want to be put on blast. But <laughs> one of our employees came up to me and said, hey, do you have a chance to talk? I feel like I need to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, totally, for sure. <laughs> and we talked and they brought up something that I said on the podcast and they mm. said, I don't really feel like this jives with who we are as a company. Yeah. And that led in to this, you know, 10 minute conversation about our values, about our mission and how, you know, how we exercise those things on a day to day basis. Yeah. And it just felt, it felt awesome. And at the end I asked them how they felt. Um, Do you feel good? No, I'm, I feel full of anxiety. <laughs> and they later said, it was, I was full of anxiety because it's really hard to talk to the owner mm. of the company about something. Yeah. It is, it's really intimidating. Even when you know that there's a safe space and even when you know someone has said, hey, you can talk to me about anything. Right. That, mm. That's almost like a hollow invitation because you really have to walk the walk and you really have to create the safe, the space that's safe enough to where people actually do. Right. And creating that safe space is more than just saying, you can talk to me anytime. Doors open. Uh, doors always open. <laughs> Come on in. Yeah. And I, I think that's important to note, but I was so mm. happy and so proud of this person for coming to talk to me. And awesome. it, I know that's what our culture needs in order to work. Yeah, It's got to be people from all angles owning the mission, vision, values, and taking charge of the whole, the whole company. Yeah. Because it's got to be more than just myself, Jared, Charles. Totally. It's got to be more than just people who are team leaders. It's, it's everyone. And yeah, we're all just humans, and we're all going to make mistakes and say things that maybe don't work and make decisions that aren't going to fit with the mission, vision, values, and all that stuff. But as long as it's like power of numbers. As long as we have 
people who are willing to care. And it, I guess that goes back to care and believe or believe specifically, but as long as people believe, then they can, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty flawless thing. It's well, it's, <laughs> it's flawless. And that, that one act do like a values check. Yeah. Care for sure. Hmm. Engagement for Big sure. Time. Believe ownership. for sure. Ownership for sure. Oh, dang. Leadership for sure. You know, it's, they hit all the values. it's almost in, it's just kind of, <laughs> It's encompassing pretty much everything that we're all about. And I'm Dude. thinking about all of all of these things. The only thing that it maybe didn't hit directly was synergy. Mm. I guess you could make a stretch argument that yeah, for something. But if, for example, they were in retail and this was something that had to do with wholesale, maybe. Yeah. Whatever. There's no cross departmental effect, whatever. But at least five out of six values. That's pretty good. Check. You person, you know who you are. Shucks. You're my hero of the week. Dude, that's freaking awesome. And back to what you were saying about it's not enough to just be like, oh, yeah, my door's always open. Got an open door policy. I think that's where check-ins become super important. And just taking the time to actually do that with people, we get the chance to check in very often. And um, I know other people in the company get the chance to check in with people in leadership often, too. But yeah, that's just awesome. And it helps get away from those situations where there's this weird dynamic building up that really, if, if both people just decided to talk about it and felt comfortable with that, then it wouldn't even be there anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. Alex, thank you for your time today. Dude, thank you. Hey, handshake. Hey, There's a virtual handshake for everybody listening. <laughs> This has been the Cat and Cloud Podcast with Chris Baca and Alex Mars. We're peace out. Bye. The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Called Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis.